0: Welcome to the West Connect podcast, where we help ensure that student-athletes are successful on and off the field. Today, I'm excited to have Julie Bennett with me. Julie, how are you this morning, or this afternoon, rather?
1: Hey, Brian. I'm good and excited to be here with you today.
0: Awesome. Um, I don't know when this is going to go live, but your part of the world just experienced a pretty significant blizzard, so thank you for uh, <laughs> continuing to... <laughs> Stay on calendar and carve out some time for us in your busy. Of course. Um, So maybe start out, um, kind of uh, a little bit about where you're from originally, how you found yourself to Wesley, and I always find that intriguing how people kind of land at 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 Wes and what led them to to choose the school.
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up in Long Island, um, played a, a couple different sports in high school, but basketball was my favorite. So I knew I wanted to try to play basketball in college. Um, started looking at a, a lot of division three schools and did a couple visits to visit programs and, and the teams. And although there were you know, quite a f- few schools I loved and had really great visits at, it, Wesleyan definitely stood out. I think primarily I could see myself there for four years. You know, it wasn't just the type of place where you'd go and party your freshman year and then get a little tired of that. And just the people I met on the team, um, you know, Coach Mullen, who's still there uh, 20 years later, and, uh, you know, the school itself really, uh, you know, helped to make it an easy decision for me.
0: And it looks like in addition to to basketball, you were also engaged in, in the rugby space. Was that how did that come about? Or
1: <laughs> you know what? I mean, when else in your life do you get to play rugby? Um and uh we actually were pretty good. I think we were undefeated for four years. Um it was a pretty successful uh season. So the combination of kind the seriousness of of basketball and you know. Um, The fun we had playing rugby definitely helped to make my Wesleyan experience. And, you know, when I look back, I I obviously love the school and and the programs and thought it was a great fit. But, you know, certainly being on a team and being a part of the basketball team shaped my whole experience there. And I think if I wasn't an athlete and if I didn't have my teammates, I would have had a, a very different experience. So definitely grateful. That I ended up at Wesleyan, grateful for the opportunity to to play sports, and you know I couldn't have imagined a, a college career if I went to a school where I didn't play a sport.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear, and um, I'm glad that you you also had a little bit of, of fun with some of the intramural club uh, <laughs> uh, activities as well. I played IM soccer and still have a lot of fond memories about it. Um, in addition to lacrosse, so. Okay. Um, after you graduated, you, you kind of went into the, the proper workforce for going before going back to graduate school, uh, but it wasn't the usual cadence. You know, typically, people in the Wall Street financial services space, they do kind of two years out, then they go, they go back to business school. Maybe talk a little bit about kind of how you transitioned originally out of school and then what that decision-making process was like looking to go um, back to graduate school.
1: Yeah, I I really didn't know um, what I wanted to do when I graduated Wesleyan. I was trying to start by just narrowing down the city, and I was deciding between, you know, Boston and San Francisco and New York. Um, I ended up in Boston because I had my sister there and some friends, Um, but I went there without a job, Um, and things were very different back then in in terms of, you know, having internships lined up and jobs lined up. Um, I knew I was interested in finance, and and really, just kind of work some connections with um, a former coach we had, and um, you know, a former teammate of hers um, who found me a spot at Merrill Lynch. Um, it was a generalist role, which was perfect for me back then, just figuring out what I wanted to do. And and I say we were kind of jacks of all trades, so we touched a, lif- a lot of different products, um, got to learn the business, got to you know be in a professional setting. Um, And I'd say one really small part of my job was trading, was talking to clients and executing trades. And I realized that's what I want to do. I don't want to do all the other stuff. I just want to focus on that. Um, But frankly, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of people go right into trading programs. I would already been out a couple years. It was too old to get into an analyst program. Um, So I went back to business school. Um, and although I think I went back to business school thinking I just wanna use it to get this job I want, obviously it was such a, a great experience. I went to, uh, to Kellogg at Northwestern, studied finance there, um, and was able to get an internship in sales and trading, um, which I ultimately turned into a full-time job offer. Um, so it was a little bit different path, but I think you know just being in the business in that generalist role, even now in, in my day-to-days, Um, you know, job in a very specialized role, I look back and, you know, have a lot of of broad business knowledge that I gained in those couple of years.
0: And it looks like, you know, you were um, able to continue some of your athletic endeavors while you were at business school. You know, can you talk a little bit more about about the activities that you were involved in and how that helped you uh, from a networking perspective and building some of these professional relationships? Yeah.
1: You know what? I think probably a lot of athletes realize the shock when you graduate from school, you know, that you're never necessarily going to play at that level again. Um, And you miss the schedule, you miss the practices, you miss the the competition. Um, I'm fortunate that, you know, basketball is a sport that you can pretty much play, you know, and continue to play. Unlike, you know, for example, a football player, it's probably harder to replicate that um, so even in Boston, I played on a, a couple leagues. I actually played on a, a co league with one of my um, colleagues from Merrill Lynch. And, you know, we're still friends today and we joke about some of the games we had. Um, when I went to Northwestern, I played on our um, intramural team. So it was, you know, we had a team from Kellogg and we were playing some of the division one Northwestern football players. So we clearly kind of got our butts kicked in that. Um, and I even played on a... Uh, you know, I think a women's league um, with people outside of Kellogg, you know, um, who actually helped introduce me to some business connections. So definitely you you wind up not just getting to kind of fulfill that need for the adrenaline and the sports, but start to make connections. Um, I I have a lot of colleagues in, um, you know, my current job who play on lacrosse leagues and soccer leagues, and it really becomes kind of a, a little community of, of networking. So, uh, so definitely I was fortunate to do that and I continued with all the basketball leagues. And until I got to New York City, um, you know, at that point I was 30 and it was really hard to to find gym time um, in New York City and you'd be playing at 10 p.m. on a Monday night. So I transitioned to triathlons and that kind of became my new uh, new hobby after
0: basketball. You have some intense hobbies, um, <laughs> which, is, which, which is great to celebrate. Um, So after uh, business school, you went back to financial services, and you've been engaged there ever since. Maybe talk a little bit about what that day-to-day role looks like as a trader. I I think for a lot of people listening, they may conflate asset management, wealth management, investment banking, trading, even though they're very different animals. Maybe talk a a little bit about kind of your specific silo and and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So I work in sales and trading. So I work on a trading floor down in New York, um, you know, and I always kind of say the same thing when we are interviewing um, students for this role. Frankly, you know, in college, you might not know the difference between investment banking and working for an investment bank, um, and to your point, asset management or private wealth. And, you you don't need to know, right? And I think it's really fair to to remind students that it's okay to ask questions and and clarify these things. Um, But sales and trading primarily focuses on um, execution of trades, right? So if you think about there are are traders who manage the risk and set the price, Um, there are salespeople like myself who cover clients and bring trade ideas and help um, to get these trades done. Um, we're working in all asset classes. So everything from equities to fixed income, uh, commodities, uh, foreign currency. There's there's products that we call flow products where you're picking up the phone and you might get a trade done in five seconds. Um, there's more structured products that might take days or weeks or months to execute. So what I always say, kind of like every sport, right? There's not a desk for everyone, and when we say desk, it's it's really a department, if you will. Um, you know, because people have different skill sets and different interests and different personalities. You might be more quantitative and feel comfortable on a, a slower moving product or desk. Uh, you might like the fast paced nature of it. Um, so that's why I love, you know, sales and trading and and that opportunity to, to be client facing, to be in such an interesting product and to get to see so many different areas of the firm. Um, in, in particular, I sit on um, an equity derivatives desk. So I run a small desk that covers our clients for equity derivatives and structured products. Uh, and it's true, and I, I say this frequently when I'm you know, in interviewing people and, and you know, telling them my story is, I've been in this seat almost 15 years. I literally learn something new every day. Um, which is crazy to think, um, but if it's whether it's a new product, a new idea, a new regulation, a new tax law in this environment, especially in finance, it's it's so fast changing and, and uh, you know, interesting. So you really kind of have to be on top of your game and, and you know, you can never sit there and, and rest because just like in sports, someone's going to, you know, learn more than you and, and pass you by. So you always have to be on your toes.
0: And it might just be anecdotal, but in my experience, and in my mind, and especially with my peer group and network, especially within the lacrosse community, it seems like they a lot of athletes gravitate towards working a trading desk or working in your group. What is it, do you think, about the role in the day-to-day that's appealing um, for, you know, that subsector of the population that, that we are, you know, actively trying to engage in through this podcast?
1: You know what? I think a lot of it's, you know, the adrenaline. So it's very fast paced. You're always doing something new. There's always a little bit of risk. You can't make a mistake. Um, I remember one of the uh, the younger students I was mentoring in his first se- or second year on the job, he was talking about one of the rotations he went through and he was saying, you know, I love it, but I don't really get that pit in my stomach. Like you do the day before a game, you're kind of nervous, you're anxious. And I think that's something we all like, you know, if I came into work and it, it wasn't, Um, challenging or if it didn't, you know, give me that pit in my stomach and, you know, have me kind of worried and and making sure I'm on my toes, then it'd probably be boring and I wouldn't be doing it so many years later. But the fact that every day is new, you're you're always on your toes, you're always, you know, kind of um, just making sure everything's right. It it keeps you busy and it, it keeps you really, I think, you know, thriving in this environment. So there's definitely the pressure, there's the fast paced aspect of it. You know, you need to be able to interact with people. You know, if you, if you don't like talking to people, um, there's probably, you know, you might have a hard time adjusting in a role like this. Um, you know, I also talk about attention to detail, right? That's really important in our world. Um, so a lot of the qualities that I think help make athletes thrive are really applicable to uh, to our role as well.
0: And um, you also have been very involved on the recruitment side of it, or you know, you've know you interviewed a lot of folks. And I know on the pre-call we talked through this, would love to just learn a little bit more about how you elevated to that role. And obviously any kind of actionable advice that you can give people that might be interested in the space about how to prep the right way or think through that interview process um, would be great to hear
1: yeah um so I pretty much got involved in recruiting since day one I actually really love it you know it started out as simply just kind of mentoring some of the new students um then I became involved in the recruiting team then I started doing the interviews um it's a little like being on a sport in that if you're a senior member on that sport you kind of mentor and, and take the junior members under your wing so the fact that in a job like mine there's always a new class of people coming in from college there's just always tons of eager people people who are willing to learn. Um, So it makes it a really nice environment for mentoring and and coaching. Um, In terms of the recruiting, I kind of have a a few things that I think are really obvious after doing this for so long, but sometimes people don't necessarily think of that. Um, The first thing I would say is everything on your resume is fair game. It sounds really obvious, um, but you'd be surprised I think people are trying to, you know, make themselves impressive, make their resume look good. They probably put something on there that's a little bit marginal. Um, we're going to ask you about everything on your resume. We have a, a funny story where someone put, you know, they're fluent in Russian. Coincidentally, my uh, my colleague is also fluent in Russian, so we wound up switching the rest of the interview to Russian. Unfortunately, he was able to do that, um, but if he wasn't able to, that would have basically ended his chances, all right. And is it, you know, a trade-off, is it worth it to put something on there that probably won't really help you that much, um, but if you're not able to back it up, it definitely can hurt you. Um, you know, if you put that you are, you know, um, an expert in derivatives and went to a derivatives bootcamp, we're gonna ask you a lot of derivatives questions. If you didn't have that on your resume at this stage in your in your life, we wouldn't expect you to know that. So I would just tell people to walk through their resume, Know everything that's on there. Know how to talk about it. Know how to express it, and just make sure it's all accurate. Um, another little tip, I think, for the interview is you want to come prepared with questions, but you also want to come prepared doing your homework. Um, so there's kind of a fine line. I, I think obviously it's it's not very um, positive to show up and say, "Okay, my question is, tell me what your company does, and, and tell me all about." Um, you know, the role or or this this career, right? Because that kind of shows that you didn't do any homework. But I think if you're able to ask good questions and say, for example, I was reading on your website or I read an article about XYZ, can you tell me more? Um, So I would just say, come prepared with some good questions. You never want to be asked, do you have any questions and say, no, I'm all set, right? That's a bad reflection. Um, But you definitely need to do your homework, know who you're talking to, know the company, um, you know, and, and, and you know, be prepared to speak about that.
0: And another kind of question, because we've had a lot of financial services folks on here. Athletes tend to gravitate towards that space. Um, what what do you tell folks? Or today, I know it's different not to age you, but then when you were going through this process, you know, now it's hyper competitive. You've got folks coming out of Warren and NYU and some of these schools that just seem like they're factories creating um wall street people or international students that have been training for since they were you know in high school almost um what do you tell you know somebody who's maybe later to the game um how to think through that from a framework perspective and differentiate themselves and manage through that intensity of, of of the competition when you're dealing with some of those folks that have been working for 10 plus years on this
1: Yeah. I mean, I know it's always intimidating because, you know, on these days, we do see people with two, three financial internships on their resume. Um, I joke that I I probably worked at a deli in a basketball camp. So it was very different 20 years ago um, with now compared to how how people feel they need to be. Um, But I could say at least from my perspective and, 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 you know, when I'm doing interviews, I would rather have someone who worked at a restaurant and can tell me the best story of why they're the best employee and how hard they worked and you know and, and translate that to why they'll do well in this role versus someone who has a couple of token internships and really can't, you know, articulate them well. So although it's nice to have those, I definitely wouldn't sweat it. Um, it's a hard job environment, you know, especially with COVID. I, I think a lot of people probably in the past summer did not necessarily get the internships they wanted. So I wouldn't sweat that too much. I would just make the most of the experiences you have, and really kind of sell those. Um, and the other thing about you know you mentioned Wharton, I get asked a lot in the um, you know recruiting process, and, and when people end up um, working as well, you know, well, am I going to do okay if I went to Wesleyan or if I went to an S.C.A.C. school? Um, and the answer is from my perspective, it's not just that you'll do okay, you'll probably do even better. Um, you know, those students who have the, the you know, strong finance backgrounds, they might be ahead of you for the first couple weeks, but you're going to catch up really quickly. The X isn't, is you're going to learn on the job anyway. Um, but I think the, the intangibles and coming from a liberal arts background and, you know, being well versed in a lot of subjects and being able to critically think and being able to interact with people. That's what's gonna, you know, help you thrive. So, so I do believe not only are you just as good coming from a liberal arts school, you're probably more suited, more suited, um, more versatile and and well-rounded.
0: Yeah, I, I would echo that from the commercial real estate perspective. I can, you can find some finance folks, you know, then you can learn them up, but you can't teach somebody from scratch how to think critically or speak cogently or write comprehensively. Those are those are harder and longer skills um to to learn up on so definitely i think that's useful i've kind of got a two-part question one is and you've alluded to this obviously we're in the middle of covid we're going on a year close to a year now um what is the current state of play for recruiting and hiring and if students are graduating this is february so if they're graduating this spring what does that state of play look like um, any advice for them um, you know, I know things are really up in the air, especially in the city and in the Northeast, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, when you think of the current state of recruiting, one thing that really stands out and um, is frankly just surprising to me is how early things are moving. So for example, a lot of firms now are interviewing sophomores for internships after their junior year. So definitely the trends are things are moving early, So I would tell people just to start thinking about what they want to do. Um, You might think I'm going to go through four years at Wesleyan and then figure it out. But you really do have to start thinking earlier. Um, I think when COVID hit last uh, March or February or March, a lot of the firms didn't know what to do and and spent a couple months trying to figure it out. Um, The good news is, from what I can tell, it's been figured out, right? So we never would have envisioned virtual internships. We did it. We had probably over a hundred um, students intern at my firm this past summer, and we were able to accommodate them and have a pretty robust, fulfilling um, internship all done virtually. It included networking, and it included lunch and learns, it included you know technical skills. And I think if that continues, and if it's another round of virtual interview or virtual internships, if it's you know full time students starting their jobs virtually. Um, it's been done, you know, it's been done for the past year. And I think a lot of firms are, are adapting and, you know, hopefully this will still, this, this will be temporary and we'll be back full time soon. But, you know, I could say there was a, a new person on my desk. I've never had to train someone virtually, right? It's an apprenticeship business. I'm used to saying, pull up a chair and, and you know, watch over my shoulder, but we got it done. It was a little bit more formal. Um, we had a, a more formal training plan to make sure nothing slips through the cracks. Um, and just know everyone's kind of in the same boat, whether you're starting out with your career, whether you've been there 20 years, we're all trying to navigate this kind of new virtual world.
0: And do you think, and we're, we're prognosticating here, which is always a little bit dangerous, but fun. Do you think some of these changes and shifts will be permanent moving forward?
1: You know, it, it depends on the industry. Um, so I think there's definitely a lot of industries that are gonna say, we don't need office space anymore. Um, a lot's gonna be virtual. We can do it from home. We could do it cheaper. Um, when I think of my industry and I think of sales and trading, it's an in-person you know, business. So I would say we are gonna come back. It'll be different, you know. maybe for the better. Maybe there's a little bit more flexibility. Maybe people are able to work one day from home if they want later in their careers. Um, but I think that you can't replicate the same environment of a trading floor of being able to, you know, get up and and walk to the next row and tap someone on the shoulder when you really need something. So I do think that, you know, as soon as it allows, we will start to come back, we'll still be in person, but it might be just a a slightly new normal. Um, You know, maybe the good news is we don't have to, you know, get on a plane and go to California on a red eye for just one meeting, right? We can take that meeting over Zoom. Um, But I think for kind of the you know, face to face stuff, um, you're still gonna see people in the office.
0: Yeah, I would, as somebody who used to travel a lot, I think that would be a positive development. <laughs> yeah, some good things are coming out of this. Go to fly to Richmond to have lunch with somebody. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're kind of wrapping up here, but any other big kind of advice or words of wisdom that you would give to, to current students who are considering a profession within the financial services industry as a whole and some of the things that maybe you wish you knew when you were a freshman or sophomore early on in your Wesleyan career? Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: My biggest recommendation, Brian, is to leverage your network. Um, And what I mean by that is when I was, you know, graduating, I never imagined that I could just, you know, reach out to alumni, reach out to contacts, not knowing them, kind of cold calling, if you will, send an email, um, you know, make a phone call and ask just to chat, to have nothing, you know, um, other than, you know, hey, can we have coffee or can I speak on the phone or have a Zoom with you for 20 minutes? I just want to learn about what you do. And if I had known that, I I think, you know, I, I definitely would have approached it differently. So when I'm speaking to someone and they're interested in my role and they're asking for recommendations, Um, I say, keep doing what you're doing. Reach out to alumni, go through the alumni base, go through the alumni on your team, right? Like there's probably every single Wesleyan athlete would be more than happy if not, you know, thrilled to be able to help a a fellow student athlete. So to just reach out to people um, in the industry and get to know them, see what they do. Um, Sometimes it leads to a job, sometimes it leads to another introduction. Uh, but there's really nothing to lose. And I think that's the best way to figure out what's the difference, once again, between investment banking and asset management and sales and trading. And you know, and that probably applies to everything outside of finance too, is to tap that network.
0: Yeah, we hear that sentiment echoed often of, you know, put yourself out there a little bit. You know, the worst thing that happens is, is somebody doesn't respond, right? Um, very rarely when it's going to be a Wesleyan to Wesleyan, especially an athlete, alumni connection are they just going to straight up say no I mean people are going to find time it might just be a matter of finding that time on the calendar but um, definitely leverage the network Um,
1: absolutely and one thing I'd add is sometimes your network is actually there on campus so if you're a freshman you're a sophomore um, there's probably a junior and a senior who were in your shoes recently they might have done the internship you want Um, So look around there and, and, you know, just getting a coffee with someone on campus might be just as valuable too.
0: Yeah, I think I I very much underestimated how powerful my own cohort and vintage class was in terms of staying in touch with them. And one of the cool things about this podcast is reconnecting me with a lot of people that are doing super interesting things. So I definitely encourage people to keep tabs. And it's much easier now, frankly, than when you and I were at school with social media and some of the, the directories that we so had much easier to,
1: to send an email than make a cold call, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It was hard. I mean, I was, I was pre-Facebook so dip, people kind of scattered <laughs> to the wind. It's a little easier to track them down now. Um, well, Julie, thank you so much for taking the time on a blizzard afternoon when you <laughs> are, are a very busy individual, but you've kind of teed yourself up here, but I always ask if people are interested in connecting with you or learning more about what your industry or your, um, your job focus. Is it okay if they kind of reach out um, directly?
1: I would love it. And if it's not even sales and trading, they're interested in, I always say, you know, through a couple degrees of separation, I probably can get them to the right person. So please, you know, feel free to, to reach out. I'm always happy to talk to a, a friendly Wesleyan face.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Julie. Really appreciate it. Take care. Good luck uh, shoveling yourself out.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Brian. This is awesome what you're doing with your podcast. So really appreciate uh, being included on this one. and, And thanks.
0: Cool. Thank you. Bye.